And then we, uh, I know uh, Randy's got a couple announcements. My wife's got some announcements. We'll try to make this quick. And I want to first and foremost say thank you to Gary Rogers for filling in for me last week. Uh, such short notice. Um, uh, tried to call somebody else, but that individual got injured and we prayed for him. So Brother Dwayne Duck, so if you'll pray for him. And, uh, and he's doing better this week. And uh, he fell a couple of week, about a week and a half ago, and he wasn't able to fill in for me, so I, I was trying to scramble to find out who I could find, and I thought Gary Rogers said, and he did a wonderful job, and yes, by the way, I was watching online, so I watched the whole service, and I was like, praise the Lord, he did some awesome preaching, great stuff, things I've been wanting to talk about, things I've been mentioning, because we are living in the last days, I really, truly believe that. Um, a couple things, I know there's been some misconf- uh, 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 some confusion on tonight. Uh, there was just some misunderstandings on the times. We are going to be at New Hope Free Will Baptist Church tonight at 6 p.m. It's a sing-along. Now, I take full responsibility for the mistake on that. I got some uh, uh, conflicting information on it, and then when I got to the point, it was too late. So you can blame the pastor. I'm it. I'm confusing you. Everybody on page now? So tonight, we're gonna. I want to do this. It's about building bridges and being con- uh, connected with our community and David Gardner's the pastor. I eat breakfast with him and, uh, and uh, Gary Gonzalez on Tuesday mornings. We get together as pastors, so I think it's important for churches to get together. Also, we have a, a, a guest speaker this morning, a missionary from Ardmore, Rebecca Howe. And, uh, she, it's called Backyard Orphans, and I'm excited to have them, and so we'll be introducing her uh, pretty soon. But uh, Also, just one more thing. Uh, this is the season about Jesus. Just remember, Christmas is about being the light and salt of the earth. And so when you're shopping, take opportunities to share the gospel. I had an opportunity to share the gospel with a young lady at Hobby Lobby the other day. And it was almost bringing tears to her eyes. Just share the scriptures. And that's what I did, is just share the scriptures with her. And then I turned around and I didn't realize I was taking up another customer's time. And thank goodness she was listening to the same message, so you never know what's going to happen. <laughs> thank you again for your prayers. I really was pretty sick last week, and uh, when I called Ron, he wasn't kidding. I was coughing. I couldn't talk, and there was no way I could get around through the service. I'm excited. I'm going to turn it over to my wife, and then I'm going to turn it over to Randy. Is that okay uh, for your announcements? Okay. Um, first, I want to remind everybody to pick up the little information uh, slip that's out in the foyer. We're doing a church directory and we need your addresses. So fill those out. You can put them in the offering. You can give them to myself or you can give them to pastor, but we need those in because we're going to be getting that made by the 1st of January. So if you haven't done it already, please grab one. The other thing is we're having a church family Christmas dinner on the 17th and there is this sign up sheet let me get it got too much stuff in my hands this show everybody please fill that out let um, uh, with a, a dessert and a, an entree like a side dish we're gonna provide the meat if you could write that down um, let's have some good food um, it's gonna be a lot of fun and that's on the 17th Hold that up. <laughs> The other thing is we're doing a Christmas care bag. We're going to be taking 20 bags out to a neighborhood near the church, and we're going to be handing them out for Christmas. Um, If you bring any of these items, you can leave them in the kitchen or give them to me. 
We do not need coloring books or colored pencils or crayons. We already have that. And like I said, we're going to be filling 20 bags, and we're going to hand them out December 11th. So by December 10th, if we could have that, that would be great. I'm done with that one. Um, this one's important. If you're involved with the kids' Christmas program in any way, I need you to stay after service because we're going to do um, a little rehearsal up here on the stage to see where everybody needs to stand and figure sound out and music. It'll be really short, so please stay after service if you're involved in the kids' Christmas program. And we also have rehearsals coming up. One more. I'm sorry. Let's see. The family Christmas party for the church, December 9th, 5 p.m. We're having a white elephant gift. So you can, I say this every week, you don't have to buy anything. You can bring something from home that you don't want anymore, like a, a nice cookie jar, um, a blanket, a picture maybe you don't want. Or you can go out and get a gift, but no more than $10. We're going to have games, we're going to have good food, and we're going to have a lot of fun. And that's on Saturday, December 9th at 5 p.m. And I'm done. Thank you. That's my wife, by the way. <laughs> now, as he comes up, I have to congratulate this guy because his team won this week. <laughs> He's a Texas fan. You had a couple of yeses. <laughs> But uh, anyways, all right. Is that enough? Am I, have I embarrassed you enough? Do you want me to say anything else? Okay. Can you tell me how good, how good looking, how rich I am, and how talented I am? He said how rich, so you're welcome to come by his house any moment. For supper or breakfast, I don't care. Okay. She had five. I have five announcements. So I'm going to turn it over to Pastor, and I think he has five. So we're trying, we're trying to be symmetrical here if we can do it. Okay. Uh, a couple that she did not mention is December 13th. The youth Christmas party um, in the youth room. It's at 6:30. So if you have youth, or if you want have somebody that you know that might want to attend that, December 18th, the youth will be going to see the lights at Chickasha. If you've never been there, that is good-looking lights. Now I'm telling you, it's a great walkthrough, and they've got places where you can get lots of hot chocolate and goodies to eat and everything else. So I mean. Anything where you can get hot chocolate and goodies to eat is good. Just keep that in mind. Anyhow, um, December 16th, 8.30 in the Fellowship Hall will be our next men's breakfast. Good food, good fellowship, good friends, good Bible discussion. I mean, it's good, 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 good. So think about coming to that. Now, two weeks ago, I mentioned that we want to buy turkeys for anybody that needs one. And if you have somebody in mind that needs one or wants one, we were going to limit that to this week, but I wasn't here last week to make the announcement. But so for this week, I'm telling you, by next week, give me the names, phone number, and address of anybody that you know that needs a turkey or wants a turkey, and we will buy that. Uh, our men's ministry is doing that. It, I mean, if you just want a turkey, just put your name in the pot, Okay. Even in, you don't have to be needy. We, we just want to bless people with a, with a men's ministry. And, uh, but I have to have that by next Sunday so that we can get them and get them delivered. Because they're going to be frozen probably, and it's going to take you a week to thaw them out. So you got to have them early. But please, please, I know, I know and I know people get embarrassed by stuff like that. 
the names and numbers and, and addresses that you give me stick with me. In one little way, I'm just like Jesus. Once I get these and get them delivered, I forget. That's what he does to our sins. He forgets our sins. So I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm Jesus, but, but I'm, just, I'm just basically forgetful anyhow. <laughs> so just, just give me the names, numbers, and addresses, and we will get them, I promise you. And it doesn't matter if it's 10 or 15. I don't care what you guys bring in. Uh, put them in the little boxes out there or put them in the bags by next Sunday so we can get them bought and get them delivered, okay? Bless somebody that you know that needs a blessing, and, and, and we will do it. That's what it is. This is missions work. This is community work. So we want to do that. Okay, got one more announcement. Huh? Okay, he's got one. Then I'm going to do my last one because my last one is going to be offering. Something I forgot to mention is we have an angel tree out there with kids that need gifts. So nobody's adopted any of those kids yet. So if you would be interested in adopting a kid this Christmas uh, to buy and purchase some gifts, you'll see the card on there. It says what they would like on there. You know, and it's that time of year that there's a lot of families that go without. And uh, I could tell you a whole story, but that's a whole other day. So, all right, and give it back to you. Okay, everybody. Uh, guys, come on, let's take the offering. You know, just, just a thought. If you're behind on your tithe, you only got a couple weeks to catch back up. This would be a good time to do it. <laughs> So, uh, I'm not the preacher. Preachers don't like to talk about money. I'm not the preacher. It don't bother me a bit. So, okay. Um, Lord, we just thank you for the opportunity to come and stand before you and praise you, Heavenly Father, and worship you, Lord. We know that you are always here if we will just come and meet you, Lord. Lord, as we prepare to worship you with our offering, Heavenly Father, and praise you with that, Lord. We pray, Lord, that you will bless this offering and use it for the betterment of your kingdom, for your house, for your people, and for your glory. In Christ's precious name, amen. Everybody, stand up. Time to sing. Flying, time never been 
this homesick before When I see the bright light shine It's just about home time And I can't see my father standing at the door This world has been a wilderness I'm ready for deliverance Oh, Lord, I've never been this homesick before good to have just be able to have fun in church in the presence of God thank you Jesus thank you Jesus why would I worry when giants come calling my name My God is so much bigger than troubles I face Why would I hunger for power or riches or fame Cause my God is so much better than all of these things And I won't be shamed Yeah. 
promises, Lord. We stand on your word this morning for every burden that is brought through those doors, God. We wait, Father, for your faithfulness, God, for your deliverance, Lord, for your provision, Father. We wait patiently for your healing, God. We wait, Father, for your touch, Lord. Father, we wait on your presence this morning to have its way, Lord. Father, you are great, God. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The splendor of the kings clothed in majesty let all the earth rejoice let all the earth rejoice
Corinthians chapter 8, verse 26 through 27 says, In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do, know not, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. Romans 8, 34, Who is he that condemns Christ Jesus who died? More than that, who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Father, that word interceding means to pray on behalf of another. Lord, you're praying on behalf of those this morning, Lord, that are facing difficulties and situations. They don't even know if they have an answer, but you are the answer. Father, as it says, speak to that mountain. Be picked up, cast in the sea, and do not doubt in your heart, but believe what you say, and it shall come to pass. God, as they speak to those mountains this morning, those giants that are before them, you're interceding, you're praying. I don't know how that works, Jesus, but you're seated at the right hand of the throne of the Father, and you're interceding, you're praying on behalf of those this morning. Holy Spirit, you're praying on behalf of others this morning with moans and groans that words cannot express. So this morning, if you're facing something with nobody looking around, would you just raise your hand? You're facing something this morning. Thank you. Thank you, several of you. I want you to just bring that before God this morning. Just like it says, speak to that mountain. Say, Lord, you're praying on, behalf, on my behalf. You're bigger than my problem. You're bigger than my giant. Lord, you're the one that caused David to slay a giant with a stone and a sling. You're bigger than that. I pray, Father, that they will right now, right where you're at, if you raised your hand, just begin to give it to God. Begin to speak to that mountain. Be picked up and cast it in the sea. Right now, just between you and the Father, begin to speak that to Him. And it says the Father intercedes on your behalf. Jesus is interceding. The Holy Spirit is interceding on your behalf right now in Jesus' name. Even if you can't feel it, we live by faith and not by sight. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Can we sing that song again? And how great is our God. Sing with me how great.
There's a time when Peter was in the boat and God said, you know, Peter sees Jesus out on the storm and it's a stormy time and he sees him out on the water and he said, Lord, if it's you, let me come out in the water. What does Jesus say to him? Come. But Peter had to step outside that boat. And there's a time when we have to take a step of faith and maybe you're facing a mountain this morning. I, I've got some anointing oil and I want to anoint and pray with you. The Bible says to have elders of the church pray over and anoint you with oil in the name of the Lord and in faith that will make that sick person well. So if you raised your hand this morning out of a step of faith, I want to pray for you for a miracle in your life. I don't know what it is. I don't, I, I'm not the one that can answer the prayer. Only God can. But what we can do is the Bible says if two more agree in his name on earth, it shall be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we need to take God at his word. If God's word says it, I believe it, and that settles it. So if you raised your hand this morning, would you just take a step of faith this morning? Then would you step out here so I could pray for you this morning? And I would like some of our elders, some of our people would come help me pray this morning. Let's, let's be obedient to what God wants to do. I don't know what he's going to do in your life, but I'm praying for miracles. I'm praying for signs and wonders and deliverance and God to work on your behalf. He can do it. He's bigger than your problem. He's bigger than your giant. He gave David the power to, to, to take that lion by the, by the, uh, by the, by the uh, neck and by the throat and destroy the lion and the bear by the main so God can do that in your problem let's pray and he's worthy of all praise and my heart will sing how 
Great thou art, 
for something you need to keep believing you get that don't let the enemy steal what God wants to do in your heart this morning because the first thing he wants to do is take away what God wants to do in you so just keep believing when the enemy says oh it's not going to happen say yes it is in Jesus name right now we know God's got timing and this is I'm not trying to take away from our missionary sermon this morning but I want I want to leave you with this don't let the enemy steal that from you because that's what he likes to do. He's a, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to take away what God wanted to bless you with this morning. God knows what he wants to do in your life. He knows what he wants to accomplish. And he'll do it. And, and listen, I tend to be the half-class empty guy. My wife's the half-class full person. It's good to have that person in your family that can kind of bring you up from that, right? So, so surround yourself with people that are faith-filled. Surround yourself and fill yourself with the Word. I'm going to read you with one last scripture before we call our missionary. And I haven't got to meet you yet, so guess what? We get to meet this morning. So Romans 10, 17. Everybody say Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing of the Word of God. Let's say it one more time. Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing of the Word of God. You get that? You want to build your faith? Read the Bible. Stand on the Word. Yeah, give God a clap offering this morning. All right. I got to, my wife's like, all right, dismiss the kids. <laughs> I'd like to dismiss the kids go back at this time. I, I want to remind you too, listen, no one person can heal. You get that, right? I, I want to say that again. No person can heal. Who heals? Jesus. We're just the vessels. It's kind of like in the summertime when it was hot, when I, mom would kick me outside. The only way I could get a drink of water is by turning the hose on and drinking from the hose. Jesus is the water, and we're just the vessel and the hose that he uses to use the water. Amen. All right, I'd like to invite Rebecca Howe up here this morning. And uh, give a clap offering for one of our own here in Ardmore. 
Now, I want to pray for you. Can I put my hand on your shoulder here real quick? Would you guys stretch out your hand as we pray for her this morning? Father, we thank you this morning that you have put your hand on her this morning and her family and the ministry that you have uh, brought them to. I pray, Father, that you would use her mightily this morning. Lord, let it be with with the demonstration of the Spirit's power. I pray, Father, our hearts would be open, our ears attentive, and our minds alert to what you have to say to us this morning and what you're doing in orphans' lives. In Jesus' name. And just a quick reminder, I'm going to take up a love offering at the end of the service, okay? And uh, so uh, just remember that. If you make a check, I'll make it out to the church and then put in the memo, missionary, uh, or on the envelope, cash, and then we'll take up a love offering at the end. God bless you. Thanks so much. Oh, they put one. Right. I forgot about that. They put a fancy magnet one on me this morning, you guys. We are high tech. We are high tech this morning. Um, good morning, I'm Rebecca. Um, I've got a bunch of my family here with me this morning, so that whole back row is my support system this morning. We're located in Ardmore, so a bunch of my family came. Yep, yep. But I wanna shout out to my hero, my buddy, my husband, Scott, is with me this morning. He's on dad duty, so I'm super, super thankful he works his tail off so that I can do this. Um, so. If, if you see him, give him a pat on the back and tell him good job, because he's doing a great job. <laughs> and it's really hard. <laughs> so um, I'm Rebecca Howell. I'm your Oklahoma Orphan Care Missionary. If you want to hop to the next slide. This is my family. And um, next, want to hop to the next one? They might be fighting you. It's okay. There we go. But um, our, ga- our goal is to engage, equip, and empower you to minister to foster and adoptive families across the state. I'm going to kind of talk about a little bit of what that looks like in a really short version, but I'm really gonna spend the majority of the morning looking at a story from scripture with you about an orphan and how God interacted with him. Because it's, it's one of my favorite stories of all time and I feel like the Lord's already here and he's moving and I feel like the, the story that I have for you guys this morning, somebody needs to hear it. We're gonna look at a little bit of God's character and a, one little piece of his heart and who he is And I'm really excited to take time to do that with you because I know that God's already here and moving and nothing really is as compelling or as persuasive as his word, right? His word is a lot more compelling and a lot more persuasive than I'm ever going to be. And some of you need your faith refreshed a little bit. You need a reminder of who he is and who you are because of who he is. So that's what we're going to do this morning. But first of all, hop to the next one. I'm going to hop through some numbers really quick. Um, Why do we do this? There are 140 million orphans around the world this morning. 140 million. That's a huge number. But if you're like me and you've grown up in the faith, you've probably heard that number before and seen an image like that. What you might not have heard as frequently is that there are about 400,000 kids in foster care in the U.S. on on any given day. If you want to hop to the next one. So foster care, kids in foster care are not necessarily orphans in What you think of when you hear the word orphan, you typically think of a child whose both parents have passed away. A child in foster care, sometimes their parents have passed away, but sometimes they've been removed from their home, most of the time, they've been removed from their home of origin due to either neglect or abuse. They don't know if they're going to be there six months, six years, or if they're ever going to get to return to their parents. So maybe they're not technically orphaned, but I would argue that anybody who's lost their family as a child and doesn't know how long they're not going to have a family feels orphaned. So out of those 400,000, about one in four, 100,000 are available for adoption. What that means for these 100,000 is that they are never going to get to reunify with their family. 
The goal of foster care is actually not just to minister to a child, it's to minister to a whole family. It's to give a family an opportunity to do work and experience healing so that they can raise the children that God has given them. For these 100,000, they have effectively lost their family. Their family's not gonna heal enough on this side of heaven in order to raise them. So they're sitting in temporary care still. Foster care is temporary, it's a Band-Aid. They're sitting in temporary care, hoping and praying that somebody will choose to adopt them. Adoption is beauty for ashes. Beauty for ashes. So, that's a really big problem, <laughs> right? We've gone down from 140 million down to 100,000, but that's still an enormous problem. But the good news is that there's already a solution that God has placed on the earth. There are over 350,000 churches in the U.S. today. 350,000, that is more than enough. We believe that if every single church in the U.S. would find a way to support one family who chooses to foster or to adopt, we will see families lined up waiting for kids instead of kids lined up waiting for families. Here in Oklahoma, the numbers are even closer. We have about 6,185 as of December 1st, kids in foster care. These are kiddos, again, who have been removed from their home. They're, most of them, their goal is to reunify. Their goal is to have their whole family experience healing. Um, but for about 435 of them, that's never going to happen, and they're sitting in temporary care, hoping, praying, waiting for somebody to welcome them home, to call them a son or a daughter. Guys, do you know how many churches there are in Oklahoma just in our fellowship? Just Assemblies of God. There's 457 there's more church, Assemblies of God churches in Oklahoma alone than there are kids available for adoption. And then if we count all, these are um, Bible-believing, um, sorry, Jesus-believing Bible-teaching churches. There's six, over 6,600 in Oklahoma. So there are more churches in Oklahoma right now than there are kids in foster care total on any given day. There's a solution. We believe that the church was, is, and will always be the solution to the world's greatest problems. Amen? James 1.27 says, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows and to keep ourselves from being polluted by the world. This is not a social movement. This is a gospel movement. This is a gospel movement. We could, go, we could spend all day just doing nothing from, but going from early Mosaic law to story after story and then New Testament teaching after New Testament teaching where God looks not at the government, not at an organization, not at an institution. He looks at you and me. And he says that it is our calling, it is our position to be family to those who don't have family. Over and over again, he calls us to look after the orphan and the widow. They're always side by side. There's not a word for foster care in the Bible. So that's why we're called backyard orphans. <laughs> but if you want to hop to the next slide, I want to just give you guys just a bird's eye view of what we do. We work as a bridge ministry. Everybody say bridge. bridge. So we help connect the church to these kids. So we act as a bridge between church and state. Some people get a little bit nervous when I say that, right? There's a line in the sand. Church plays over here. State plays over here. And if we don't cross the line, we pretty much get along. When, we when either one crosses the line, people get upset, right? But here's the thing. If you've ever worked in kids' ministry or in youth ministry or been a teacher, you know that in order to reach a child, you have to have some kind of base level of trust with the parent, right? Nobody's going to let you babysit. Nobody's going to send their kid to your youth group or your Sunday school, if they don't have just a little bit of trust in you, if they don't know that their kid's gonna be safe there. While a child's in foster care, their foster parent is not their legal parent. The state is, the state is. So we help, we are chaplains with the Assemblies of God and that kind of gives us an in. 
and we work to just bridge a gap where local churches can have working relationships with local child welfare so that churches can have access to minister to those kiddos. We also help connect churches to licensing agencies. These guys work as independent contractors for the government to license families to foster and to adopt. We help vet those and find ones that are faith-friendly, that are gonna work really well with the church, be faith-friendly, believe in you, support you, and also have a lot of extra supports for families who choose to foster or to adopt. And then local and global missions opportunities. We connect churches to opportunities to serve kids, both stateside and around the world, who are part of those 140 million. So that's the bridging part. The other part of what we do is building. Everybody say building. building. We help churches build ministries from the ground up that have support ministries, um, sorry, supports for foster and adoptive families in-house. We don't believe that foster and adoptive families should have to go to the state for support. We think that the church should be able to support them. And quite frankly, the state is supposed to support them, has been expected to support them, and families who have been through that over and over again tell us we didn't have the support we needed and we drowned. But when the church steps in, those families are well supported. They're discipled and edified and sanctified by a hard thing rather than being destroyed by a hard thing. And they foster longer, they enjoy fostering more, and those kids in their home get more exposure to the gospel. Amen. So it's a win-win. <laughs> Okay, one more thing, and then we're going to hop into our story. So um, this is the grid. Everybody say the grid. grid. We break orphan care is a big, messy, complicated thing. And there's a lot of different things that you can do as a church, so we try to break it down into levels. And not every church is going to go all the way to level four, but we believe that every single church can and should, because of Scripture, get on this grid somewhere and start doing something. So level one, we're doing this morning. So pat yourselves on the back. Speak up. This is advocacy. This is talking about it, learning about it, preaching about it, looking at scripture about it, praying about it. This seems to be a praying church. Um, I have a free prayer guide. If any of you guys are interested, you can swing by my booth and it's online. It's a print ready PDF. It's very pretty. Um, we worked really, really hard on it. And I would love to send that to you so that you can print it out and pray over kids in care and pray over a lot of the people who interact in their lives. Level two is concrete services. So this is where you're providing physical items. Um, Care Portal is our number one tool that we recommend for this. It's a piece of software. It's as simple as Facebook. If you can use Facebook on your phone, you can use Care Portal. <laughs> and what it does is it actually connects your local families to local churches. So social workers are trained on Care Portal and it's active in your county. And what they do is when they're working with a family, they hop on Care Portal and they post, hey, I'm working with this foster mama. She just got a new placement. She needs size 4T girls clothes. Or, hey, we're working with this family that's struggling, but they're doing everything they can to keep their kids, and their refrigerator's out, and they can't keep their kids if they don't get a new refrigerator because of state minimum standards. Doesn't matter. And so they'll post the needs, the worker will post the need on Care Portal, and every church in the vicinity of the need who's registered on the portal gets an email notification. And you have the opportunity, not the obligation, it's free, nobody knows that you saw it except for you, but you have the opportunity to respond and say, hey, um, Lone Grove Assembly, we would love to bring a refrigerator to that family. And then when you respond, you're connected with the family, and you get to go meet the need, usually in person, not always, but usually in person, so you get to actually go meet the family and give them what they need. Level three is relational supports. This is where we get a little bit deeper, and the best thing you can do here is babysitting. <laughs> Um, a lot of people don't know this, but Oklahoma has a prudent parent law. Everybody say prudent parent. Prudent parent. Thank you. <laughs> so what that means is that if I have a biological child, right, I have little Judah with me this morning, and let's say that I was friends with you and I trusted you to babysit Judah, and then let's say that I took in some foster kiddos into my home, 
and then I needed babysitting. I could call you and you could babysit them for me without going through the state. Because I trusted you to babysit my biological child, you are automatically qualified in the state size by my prudent parenting to babysit um, children who are in foster care who are in my home. So that's one of the best supports. It's one of the first things that foster parents ask for because a lot of people aren't aware of that. They won't offer to babysit even if they would like to. So that's one of the number one level three supports that you can do. And then level four is when you go all the way deep, deep, deep into the deep end. <laughs> this is when you start um, building a ministry in your church to support these families and also to recruit them once a year from behind the pulpit. It's a big, it's a big boy. <laughs> and again, we don't believe that every church is going to go all the way to level four, but we firmly believe, and our district superintendent, Daryl Wooten, believes that every single church in our fellowship can do something on here, can do something. So it's our joy and our privilege to go around the state and to try to help churches find their something, whatever it is. We have tools, resources, training, different things that we'll do for churches who are ready to hop on the grid at any level. Okay, and then last one. I got to do this. I'm a missionary, and we're so, 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 so close, you guys. Um, I just had another $10 pledge come in last night, and we are $200 a month in monthly pledges away from being fully funded. So pray about it. Talk about it. If you guys are looking for missionaries to support, we are looking for support. <laughs> we would love to bring you along with us. We would love to have you guys on our support team in our corner. Um, and hopefully this is the last time I'm ever going to have to talk to you about this. Next time I call you or you see my face, it's going to be because I'm fully funded, this is done, and I'm just here to serve you. <laughs> so next up, I'm going to talk to you guys about what adoption is, really briefly. Because we're going to read a story about an adoption, but if you don't know what adoption looks like in ancient Hebrew culture, you might miss it. So adoption in ancient Hebrew culture was primarily about identity and inheritance. Those are the two things we're really going to talk about this morning, is identity and inheritance. It was a legal arrangement for a couple when they couldn't produce a male heir and they need to pass things on. They might find a young man who doesn't have much of an inheritance coming his way and adopt them into their family. And when they're adopted, when a young man is adopted into the family, it doesn't just mean that he has a family now. It means that he has a new like family culture. He has a new trade. He has a new standing in the community. Um, there's inheritance, there's property, and a lot of times workers, and all these different things, but there's also identity. There's also a status that he gets now of being part of that family. If that family's known as being jokesters, known as being funny in the community, he's going to start to be known that way. <laughs> if they're known as carpenters, if they're known as farmers, if they're not, whatever they're known as, he's going to take on that identity of the family is now part of his identity. And another thing to know about um, adoption in this period of time is it was not a compassionate action. It was not compassion driven. It was very much a legal arrangement and it was not preferable to a biological heir. So if you were a couple and you adopted a young man into your family to pass on your inheritance to and he became a son and he's sitting at the table and all these different things, but then surprise, you had a biological heir, you had a baby boy that you weren't expecting, that adoption is null and void. It's canceled. The young man is no longer part of your family, and he does not have an inheritance coming his way anymore. If he was an orphan, he is once again an orphan. So that's how culture saw adoption. But we're going to see that God sees adoption a little bit differently. If you, wanna, if you have your Bible with you this morning, we're going to head to 2 Samuel chapter 9, and we're going to read the whole thing, the whole thing. I like scripture. It's a really, really good story. Um, but let me set the stage kind of while you're getting there. So the books of 1 and 2 Samuel follow the rise and fall of the first two kings of Israel. 
The first one is Saul, and the second one is David, right? Saul comes, rises to power. He's selected to be king literally because he's tall and good-looking pretty much. And they say, children of Israel look at him and say, let's put that guy in charge. But really quickly, he makes some fatal mistakes, and he disqualifies himself. And the Lord sends his prophet to tell Saul, hey, you're not going to be the king anymore. Not only that, but I'm actually going to remove the throne from your bloodline. Your sons are not going to be king because you've displeased me and you've disobeyed me. So Saul gets real upset, and he starts having these crazy mood swings, right? And they call in this barefoot, dirty, smelly, little shepherd boy from nearby who is really good on a harp. <laughs> and when he comes before the king, he plays music. He plays skillfully before the king. And you know something? It calms the king's crazy mood swings, and he calms down a little bit. It soothes him. But then as this little boy starts to grow up, he steps in where Saul should have, and he defends the children of Israel and defeats a giant. And after that, he starts rising through the ranks as a general in Saul's army, and Saul becomes even more jealous and angry and vengeful, and his mood swings get crazier and crazier, and he seeks to kill David because he starts to realize David's the threat to the throne. And David, even though he has multiple opportunities, refuses to take Saul's life, even though Saul's trying to take his life. He refuses, and he says, nope, I'm not going to raise my hand against the person that God put on the throne. God will take care of it in his time. And you know what? That's what God did. God took care of it in his time. Saul and his sons perished in battle. And then the children of Israel come to David because they know David and they love David and they trust David. And they say, hey, Saul's gone. Will you be our king? And that's kind of where we find David here. David has taken the throne. He said, yes, I'll be king. And he's going around and reclaiming territories that Israel has lost to their enemies. And he's establishing worship and establishing the kingdom in a new way and trying to figure out what kind of king he's going to be. And that's where we find him right here. And one of the biggest responsibilities that he's going to have as a new king is to secure the throne, right? Because he didn't just inherit the throne from his dad. He's a new kid on the block. And so he's got to make sure that there's no potential threats to the throne, right? There's nobody from maybe Saul's family, Saul's kids, Saul's grandkids or great-grandkids who could rise up and harm David and take the throne from David or rise up and harm David's sons and take the throne from David's sons. So that's what's expected of David right now, is to secure the territory. And that's where we find David in 2 Samuel chapter 9. I'm going to start reading. You ready? Ready? Okay. <laughs> One of you's ready. <laughs> and David said, is there still anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show kindness to him for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. And they called him to David and the king said to him, are you Ziba? And he said, I am your servant. Pause there for just a second. Ziba's a servant from Saul, from when Saul was king, right? So when he's called before the new king, the first thing he says is not, yes, my name is Ziba, when he's asked, is your name Ziba? His, his response is, I'm your servant. I'm your man. Saul who? You know? <laughs> um, you can call me whatever you want. <laughs> but um, that just kind of shows you that Ziba came before the king, and he was very concerned with making sure that David knew that he was allegiant to David. Because what was expected was for David to wipe out anybody who was not going to be allegiant to David and David's family. And the king said, is there not still someone of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God to him? Ziba said to the king, there is still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in his feet. And the king said to him, where is he? And Ziba said to the king, he is in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel at Lodabar. 
Then King David sent and brought him from the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, at Lodabar. And Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and paid homage. So Mephibosheth comes before King David, and Mephibosheth is not just a servant from King Saul. He's a grandson. He's a potential heir. So he comes before King David, and he's shaken in his boots. He's shaken in his boots, and he falls down on his face. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold, I am your servant. Mephibosheth's greatest hope right now is not to be a prince again, obviously. He's lost his family. He's lost his throne. He's lost everything. He was hiding out. <laughs> he got brought before the king. His greatest hope right now that he's been brought before the new king is to be a servant, is to be a slave. And David said to him, Do not fear, for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan, and I will restore to you all the land of Saul your father, and you shall eat at my table always. And he paid homage and said, What is your servant that you should show regard for a dead dog such as I? Pause right there. There's a couple things. First of all, what does David say, right? He says, I'm going to give you your inheritance back, and you're going to sit at my table. When you were a son in these times, when you were a son in those days and you were an heir, there was a special seat at the table for you. There was a special seat. And that seat symbolized your position in the family as an heir. And so when David is inviting him to eat at his table, he's inviting him into his family. Remember we said that adoption is about inheritance and identity. And in this one statement, David is restoring both to Mephibosheth. He restores his inheritance. I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your father. And he's restoring his inheritance and um, his identity. And you will eat at my table always. That's inviting him again to be a prince of Israel. It's inviting him back into sonship. And Mephibosheth's response to this is not, sweet, yes, thank you. No. His response is, um, what is your servant that you should show regard for a dead dog such as I? There is something in human nature that when we experience trauma or hard things, sometimes we swallow the lie that this has happened to me because it's who I am. This is reflective of my identity and my worth and my value, what's happened to me. And we see this a lot with kiddos who have lost their families. For whatever reason, through no fault of their own, They will take on responsibility. They will take on ownership for things that are not theirs. And they will decide, this is what I deserve. And they'll swallow it. And, you know, it's funny that this is what Mephibosheth decided to believe. We call it the dead dog mentality. And it's funny to me that in however many thousand years, the enemy has not come up with any new tricks or any new lies. He comes to us and he whispers the same thing. He whispers the same thing when we're down, right? And I want you to notice how David responds to this. David doesn't reassure him and tell him, oh, no, 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 that's not true, that's not true. Look what he does. Then the king called Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, all that belonged to Saul and to all his house I have given to your master's grandson. And you and your sons and your servants shall till the land for him and shall bring in the produce that your master's grandson may have bread to eat. But Mephibosheth, Your master's grandson shall always eat at my table. Now, Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. David calls in a witness 
and he publicly proclaims his adoption of Mephibosheth. He publicly tells Ziba, he's getting all of his inheritance back, you work for him now, and he's going to sit at my table. And then he also refers to Mephibosheth as your master's grandson three times. Three times, over and over and over again. He's stating who Mephibosheth actually is. Sometimes when somebody has swallowed a lie, they don't need you to tell them that they're wrong. They need you to prophetically speak truth over them. Yeah. Look to the word of God and say it out loud over somebody's life. My little boy, me and my husband pick him up and we say over him, you are chosen, you are loved, you are a royal priesthood, you're the head and not the tail, you're above and not beneath, you're more than a conqueror through him who, yeah. And so, and I'm sure that a lot of parents in the room, you've done that. You've picked up your child and you've spoken the word of God over them. That is powerful. That is powerful. And sometimes when a child or a person in your life has forgotten who they are, I'm kind of thinking of the Lion King right now, remember who you are. <laughs> but sometimes you just have to say it out loud. Sometimes it's not arguing with a lie. It's just speaking truth in the face of it. When you walk into a dark room and you turn on the light, the dark can't fight back the light. The light chases the dark out. That's right. right? You don't engage the darkness. You don't go in the room and try to sweep it out or shush it out. You turn on the light. Sometimes when you step into the face of darkness, you just turn on the light. And guys, when a family says yes to foster care, when a family says yes to adoption, when a family that has been torn apart fights to pull themselves back together, they are stepping into generational spiritual warfare. They are stepping in the way of a cycle where the enemy has torn apart generation after generation after generation after generation. They are stepping in and they're saying, no further. That's right. No further. It stops here. So when we welcome families into our church, when we welcome children into our church, and we speak the truth, just in their presence, just speaking the truth in their presence, we are prophesying, and we are proclaiming, and we are warring, and we are picking up the sword of the Spirit, and we are saying no further. That's right. No further. Many of you in the room have probably done the same thing in your lives. Maybe your grandfather had an issue. Maybe your father fought the same issue. And maybe you planted your feet. Or maybe your father or maybe your son is going to plant their feet and say no further. No further. Then Ziba said to the king, according to all that my lord the king commands his servant, so will your servant do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. And Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah, and all who lived in Ziba's house became Mephibosheth's servants. So Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem, for he ate always at the king's table. Now he was lame in both feet. I don't want to... I don't want to take too, too much of your time, but we're just going to hop through just like two more verses, okay? Can you guys stick with me for two more verses? Okay. Hop over, skip Unger's Bible Dictionary and go to Romans 8. So, two more. Romans 8, 14 through 17. This is the scripture that changed my heart. This is the scripture that I was 14 years old, sitting in Assemblies of God Church on a Sunday morning, and my pastor preached from this verse. 
And it's been a long time. I'm 27 now, so it's been 13 years. I couldn't tell you what he preached, but I can tell you that he read this first, and I can tell you that the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, I've adopted you. I want you to adopt. And I had no idea that God was going to call me into a ministry. I thought that he was just speaking to me about my personal life, about my, what my family was going to look like. But God was calling me at 14 years old to this. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Guys, that story and this scripture shows us this is a piece of God's heart. God, our Father, is an adoptive father. We're not his biological children. We're his adopted children. He already had an heir. He didn't need us, but he wanted us. He didn't need us, but he wanted us. He was full of compassion for us. And I want you to notice, too, that spirit of slavery. That's what Mephibosheth came before the king with. He was hoping to be a slave. But God said, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons. As sons. I want you guys to be challenged this morning. I want your eyes to be opened a little bit. And I want you to pray about what God has for you, how you and your family and your church are going to obey James 127. But I also want you to leave this morning with a heightened awareness of your position and your inheritance. I know that you know this is a preaching uh, this is a praying, Jesus-loving, God-fearing church. You guys are full of the Spirit, obviously. But I want you to be reminded of who you are. Who you are. You are a son, a daughter of heaven. You are a prince, a princess of the kingdom. There is a seat at the table for you. It's got your name on it, and it is there for you. <laughs> it is there for you. And God wants you to come into his family and sit at his table. And I'm sure that most of you have. But I just want you to remember. I want you to not forget. And then I want you to share with other people, find a way to share with other people what you have. You're adopted. How are, what are you going to do with that? When we read James 1.27, the word religion there is not referring to a stale practice or a tradition. It refers to the faith with works, the, pro the product of your faith. When your faith, when your relationship makes you get into motion, that's what that verse is talking about. That's what that word means. So when we're living out our faith, when we're activated by our relationship with God, it starts with caring for orphans and widows. It starts with being family to those who don't have family. I'm going to close with this scripture, and I'm going to hand it back to you, Pastor. But Psalm 68, 5 through 6 says, A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. The gospel in a nutshell. God sets the lonely in families. You and me were orphaned. We were doomed. But God paid the ultimate price, and our adoption was very expensive. We were expensive. But God paid that price to bring us into his family and make us his. Okay, I'm going to hand it back to you. Thank you so much. What she just shared this morning is exactly what God has done with all of us. She's already told you that. Um, real quick, every head bowed, every eye closed here this morning.
I'm adopted into his family. The Bible says that we're a wild shoot that's been grafted into a natural branch, which is unnatural in nature, but God was able to do it. And if you're here this morning and you would say, I've, I've never been adopted into God's family, it starts with admitting that you've sinned, believing that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and that God raised him from the grave on the third day, and surrendering your life to him and confessing and turning from your sins. And the minute you do that, you are adopted into his family. And just like she said this morning, you get to sit at God's table. Are you here this morning? You'd say, Pastor, that's me this morning. I am not right with Jesus. I haven't given my life to Jesus. Or maybe you're here this morning, you have, but you're not right with him. You're not right like you used to be. And you would make, like to make it right this morning. Are you here this morning? You'd say, Pastor, that's me. I need to get saved this morning. I want to know that my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life and that I'm going to heaven when I die. Are you here this morning? Nobody looking around. Would you just raise your hand? Are you here this morning? You'd say, Pastor, that's me. I need to get saved this morning. Everybody's saved here this morning. Well, praise the Lord. You're all in an adopted family. Now, here's the second thing. We're going to take up a love offering in them. And keep your head bowed and your eye closed for a second. I want to pray. In a minute, we're going to take up a love offering. Because you've been adopted in God's family, God's heart is for the orphans and the widows. In fact, when he scolded, the, uh, scolded a lot of the religious leaders back then, it, it, he didn't care uh, what they were doing and how much they were giving. What he cared about was where their heart was. Is your heart in the right place? Do you care about what God cares about? And if you don't, ask God to give you the heart that he has for the lost, because I can guarantee is God will honor you for blessing orphans and widows. Let's pray over this offering this morning that we're going to take, and uh, let's just ask God to also use us. If you're not able to give, just say, God, use me. Open up doors for me. So, Father, we, we come together as a church. We thank you, Lord, that you've ad adopted us into your family. We weren't looking for you, but you found us. And you said, come be a part of my family. And when we said yes, you sealed us with the Holy Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is yet to come. And you put us into the family of God. And I pray, Father, that we will remember that we are co-heirs with Christ. And as we give of this offering today, we're giving not because we have to, not because we feel obligated to, but because we want to be a part of your process. You adopted us. We want to adopt others. We want to minister to those that need to be touched. We want to touch kids that have no families. We, Lord, we want to touch widows that need help that, that, that after they've lost their spouse or widowers have lost their spouse and have no help. So, Father, we want to do that with our finances starting this morning. And, and if we can't give up our finances, we do it with prayer and, and again, divine appointments. So if I can have our ushers come at this time to take up our, uh, this offering this morning. Father, again, we give this to you out of the abundance of our heart because we love you and you love adoption. In the name of Jesus, and everybody said, amen.
As they're going about, just a reminder about the angel tree out there. If you're walking outside, just get one of those tickets off of there. Find what's on there. Remember, that's part of orphans. Uh, God wants to bless others. And, and that's the way God works. I don't know how he works that way. We don't give to get, but when we do, he just blesses us. Amen? And then number two, again, I take responsibility for the mistake. It's going to be at New Hope Free Will Baptist Church, Prairie Valley Road, and Newport. I know that because I ride my bike by that area, and I have dogs that chase me all the time. So, yeah, don't forget, 6 p.m. tonight, we're going to have service there tonight. So, And it's going to be singing and uh, just a wonderful time of, of, of different congregations getting together. I love you. If you need prayer, I'm here to pray with you. Don't forget, they have a booth out there. Say hi to the missionaries. They are one of our own. They're Assemblies of God, U.S. missionaries. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. If you need prayer, I'm here to pray with you. Have a blessed day.